Well, we thought about, we thought we might talk about caves. <gasps> we went caves. We, we like caves. We, um, we grew up close to Carlsbad Caverns. So mm -hmm. Tiffany's from Seminole, Texas, which is like near Hobbs, New Mexico, which is like how far from Carlsbad? Like in mm, two hours, less than two hours. It's less than two hours. Oh man. And I, and I, and I was raised like, um, we're cousins, by the way, we're first cousins, our moms are sisters. So I was raised like, uh, in like Albuquerque area, South of Albuquerque. And that was probably, I don't know, three hours to Carlsbad. So we kind of would meet. Math doesn't add up because we lived eight hours apart, but it wasn't eight hours. It's like five hours. It just seems like eight hours when you're a kid. Yeah. Okay, maybe so. Because huh. it's 10 hours for me to get from Dallas to, to Albuquerque. Okay. Yeah. And you can get down to like, you know, El Paso in three hours from Albuquerque. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But you do have to go. There's the roads are not as straight. It's not highway. Four hours from El Paso. But well, how 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 long were you guys from Cloudcroft? Four hours. Okay, I think it took us like that too. So maybe that's why. That's we're... why I always thought eight hours. But you wouldn't go through Cloudcroft if you were going. Between. Yeah, you would go through like Mountain Air or whatever. You would. Right. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so we did lots of Carlsbad caverning when we were a kid. Yes. And, and recently we went to the Mammoth Caves. Yes. Are named Mammoth Caves because of the giant mammoth room in which there is absolutely nothing. Yeah. It's the biggest cave system in America, right? So it was like, I can't even remember the mileage, but it was, it's just insanely huge. But we were like, we were used to growing up like seeing Carlsbad. So we had tons of stalagmites, stalagmites, you know, whatever. And we were like always into these different formations and just being able to just like walk freely and be like, oh yeah, look at that bat. Oh, look at that one. Look at that, you know. And then we get to Mammoth and it's like, you have to have a tour guide. Every, there, there's no free. Go into the caves without a tour guide. But which is confusing to me because the caves, they have a couple of formations, but right. nothing like Carlsbad. Like it's a lot of like formationless caves. <laughs> <laughs> formationless caves. It right. Was, yeah. Just giant rooms. Underground, which is cool too. It had its own thing. It like, had some historical value and it was cool and I still liked it. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't say I was disappointed, but I was like, it just wasn't, wasn't expecting. It wasn't what I was expecting. That's I thought true. We were, or I was kind of expecting something very similar to Carlsbad. Right. But bigger. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Right. Well, and actually the prettiest cave I've ever been to is the Sonora Caverns in Southern Texas. It's like, yeah, yeah but it's a private cave. It's not publicly owned, so it's not a national park. And you can, like, they, you go in single file. They only allow 20 people in. Like, I don't know if it's a day or a time or whatever, but um it's like you're right next to the formations as you're walking and it's very it's very intimate and personal and like beautiful super beautiful mm -hmm. but um and so there are other caves there's like the cave without a name in san antonio like there's a bunch of different caves like in texas and all these other places that people don't really know about but the reason mammoth is so famous is it's like the the mile the connected mileage of it all is 
the biggest cave system in America. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in what, yeah. Northern Kentucky? Incredible. I'm really glad we went. I would go back. Oh, I would too. Because that's the other thing. You cannot see all of, like we went on two or three tours. Three, I saw it. Three. And there's like 10 or 12, or there's a ton of tours and there's also seasonal tours. Right. So they open different parts at different times. So, I mean, but you have to be behind a guide who's talking the entire time. You can't do any of your own personal exploring, which that yeah. is so an ordeal. <laughs> um, but I mean, so it's Southern Kentucky, first of all, not Northern, but, okay. um, but yeah, we were able to drive there. What in like half an hour and a half from my house or something? Two hours? Yeah. So she's in Lexington. So it was, I thought it was two. Maybe two. Yeah. But then there was the added bonus of like the time change because I'm in the Eastern Standard time zone and that was in Central. So it meant we didn't have to get up quite as early. I didn't realize it, it changes time zones within the state. Yeah, the most um, Western part of Kentucky is in the Central time zone. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's... There aren't many states that do that. Kentucky, no. I think El Paso does that like in Texas, El Paso stays with New Mexico. Yep, that's right. Yeah. But uh, I can't think of it. I mean, I know Arizona is just like, we don't recognize it. Right. Which I like. Yep. Yeah. I think it needs to go away. Yeah. Daylight okay. savings, that is. Yeah, but um, okay, so the other thing about caves, I think that's a little bit interesting is like, oh, there was a big tuberculosis thing. Like they had um, all these- yeah, they had all these like old houses because they thought that um, like that would would have been like it, the atmosphere like was a way you know or the environment was what was kind of like getting to people's lungs and killing them. So they thought like okay, so they did an experiment back in I don't remember what year, but when it was like like in the Western days, um, it would be nice if I could fact check myself and tell you guys what exact year. But um, anyway, they did a big experiment where they uh, they tried to uh, cure tuberculosis by having people come live in isolation down in these caves in these little houses. And it was super glum because it was just, it's dark as could be. They, they would have had only, like, there's no electricity during that time. So they would have only had like candlelight. And then, I, I don't know, I guess you had to have, they had to have people bring them food and this or that. Me and Tiffany had decided, well, I had heard this story about how, um, these there's these monks that exist in like Tibet and stuff okay. yeah who like they spend 40 days in total darkness once every 50 years and then they reset their DNA and they become like young again and like that's how they live to be like 500 years old it's just like and the, the idea is not isolation it's not meditation for 40 days it's not whatever blah 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 it's that you have to be in pitch blackness like you're Melt you know, whatever for forty days solid yeah. not an ounce of excited life. that we could do this and we were yeah. like we could totally do this sign us up. oh I think you're cutting out oh sorry oh yeah so say they could we decided yeah. we decided we could do this and we're going through this cave talking about how we could do this and the next day we went <laughs> in sensory deprivation tanks and we couldn't last <laughs> an hour and we were like. <laughs> Forget it. We, Forget it. we were like, we can do this sensory deprivation. It's going to be so amazing. And then it was like, 
everything about the century, it was like, you have to put Vaseline on your hands. If you have, if you have like any like, like little hangnail or cuticles, like not feeling amazing or a little scratch on your arm or whatever. It's like, oh, the salt water will um, sting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it really does, by the way. And then you're, you know, you're just like completely naked in this like cesspool of like, who knows who else has been in there. And I, I kept on thinking about that. I like, this is right before the coronavirus hit. Like this was like That's right before coronavirus. Yeah. This is like in February. But I didn't think about that too much. Cause I imagine that most of these things are killed by the salt water, but I had other problems. We had different issues. Like I got motion sickness. <laughs> I had to open the thing because I, I, I ran out of air. So I'm in the tank, like floating there, like going, <gasps> like, <laughs> I, I can't breathe. Like I had to literally like sit up and like get, get some air in there. There was no flow. It was, it was a, yeah. So I don't, I don't think me in 40 days of complete darkness in a cave is probably going to work. Okay. Little bit of good meditation. Like I did the chakra meditation. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And that I did. but I think like um for me, sensory deprivation needs to last about 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, not 40 days. <laughs> I think we established we're not we're not good, we're probably not gonna be able to do the 40 days. Even yeah. though we talked about like we could do if we could go into mammoth caves and that's their thing. They told us that you could do private like you can get private access to the caves if you like apply for it like you know and you don't have to be the guy was even the guy was saying you don't have to be as like special cave geologist or something as you think like he said they've had writers they've had come in for inspiration people yeah exactly so we were like okay so we could go into a blackest part of the cave and we could like have music and we could have like, you know, we could learn how to play guitar. We could listen to audiobooks. We could, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. So it turns out we would not have survived the tuberculosis war. Um, so I, I looked it up for us. It was in okay. uh, 1839 is when they had the experiment. So in 1839, um, John Croghan, C-R-O-G-H-A-N, Krogan, John Krogan, um, purchased the cave for this um, medical experiment. Um, and they had it as a sanitarium. And people just lived down there by themselves. <laughs> Until they died. <laughs> because it didn't do anything for the tuberculosis, so they were in the dark cave till their death. Right, yeah. It wasn't that long of an experiment, right? Like, it was only, like, he did. Yeah, I think they figured out pretty quickly that it wasn't going to work. Hmm. Yeah. Let's yeah, see. Six months. Um, so they had 15 patients. And, oh, the, he bought the cave in 1839, but they didn't enter the patients until 1842. And... Um, yeah, I don't know what happened to them. I thought that some of them left. Was that not the case? That they... I think they left because they were like, yeah, I don't want to die here. But I don't think anybody cured themselves of tuberculosis. They were there for five months from the autumn of 42 to early 43. Um, yeah. And the doctor that 
um, purchased the cave ultimately died of tuberculosis in 49. <laughs> That's not funny, but I mean, it's, it's just kind of, it is. <laughs> it's though. I mean, what, perhaps we should try to open up the cave for coronavirus. For the coronavirus, yeah. Just send everybody down there to, just as an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll work. <laughs> You never know, trying everything else, right? Right. <laughs> Different breathing conditions. That's true. The it environment. The ventilators in the country. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, yep. Man. <laughs> so yeah, splunking. We should become splunkers, that's what I think. Okay, but I do think, like, I don't think I could handle this small space in the caves. Like, it freaked me out a little bit. So the caves in Kentucky were created, um, or a lot of them, I guess, were closed off because of sinkholes. Like, sinkholes would come and cave in, and then you couldn't get into the cave. It would cut off access or entry points, or in some cases, create entry points. And that kind of wigged me out being in there. Yeah, because like we were kind of going like, well, when can a sinkhole? Well, and the other thing is like we're at one level, but you know, there's like it's like an ant hill of stuff underneath you. Who knows for how long down? And any of it, like the calcium deposits of everything, could eventually be like, bloop, like yeah. it freaked me out a little. I'll be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, but on the way back, we stopped at some nice rock stores. They have a lot of nice rock stores out there. I wish we would have gone into more, but they weren't really open so much, but. Right. Yeah. It was out of season. Yeah. Yeah. I always think every time I go into a rock shop, like, how do they stay in business? But then I'm like, people like me. That's how. But how are there that many people like me? I don't think there's that many people like me. Like, I, I go to rock shops everywhere in the world like I love them and I and I have I cannot not buy something like I always find something to buy like it's I mean I'm not gonna I mean I probably spend I don't know at least probably the least I've ever spent in a rock shop is like 15 bucks you know and then the most is like oh I'll see like a meteorite that I have to have or something and then it'll be like a hundred bucks or something but um yeah I cannot see there being that many people like that like just like to have rocks to have and to hold yeah I think maybe though we don't have a good sense of scale because I always think the same thing when I'm driving in the middle of the day and see a lot of traffic I look around me and I think shouldn't these people be at work but <laughs> I'm not at work <laughs> so it's kind of like daytime traffic I just don't have a very good sense of scale of like what all is going on out there that creates this backup in the middle of the day. Yeah, I, I think that too. I'm like, what are these, because like, you know, I have a regular hour, so I'll just be like, what do these people do? Like, do people not have nine to fives anymore? Or, yeah, I, I get kind of, I get that same sentiment. And so maybe it's the same with the rock collectors. If all those people stuck in traffic also collect rocks, then, you know. Yeah, that's true. Or it's, I mean, you guess, I guess you just, we have such a high population that you don't even need that many people. Like you need one sucker like me to come drop a hundred bucks every hour and you're good. Yeah. Or, you know, I think a lot of families go to the caves and then the kids, you know, demand 
whatever. And, you know, some of the rocks are pretty cheap. So you can like, everybody can pick out their five best rocks or whatever. No, yeah. Rocks are like under a dollar and stuff. I mean, like there's, there's some nice. $7 on one. What is the, the beautiful green one? Um, well, there's a lot of green rocks, but was it um, the one that is like a, uh, what is it called? Uh, Star of the Sea. Was it chrysanthemum or, or uh, Christoph? Is it the same one that you have in Argentina a lot? Oh, I don't know about that. Like, was it turquoisey green or was it like? No, I'll show you. Okay, let's see. So here's what I got at the rock store when we went on our trip to Mammoth Caves. I got this one. Oh, malachite. Malachite, yes. Yeah. You got a beautiful malachite. Now this cost me almost $8. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a nice specimen though. It's got and nice it, waves in it. Um, these two. What was this one? That's sodalite, I think. Sodalite. That's like a dark sodalite, yeah. Okay. So it's beautiful. A little rough yeah. around the edges. I like it. Um, and then I got this one. Ooh, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I should have written it down, I suppose. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So that's my um, rock collection from our Mammoth Cave. <laughs> and then I see. I'm gonna make a you a, a rock person eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be surrounded by them. I also bought a clam fossil um, because they told us that was the national. National Kentucky. Oh, yeah, I bought that one too. A fossil from Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting a little bad with my, all my rocks and stuff. I just kind of put them together and, you know, most, I'd say 90% of my rocks are self-found, you know, yeah. often around walking and being like, oh my God, this is amazing. But, you know, some of the special like audit, like I'm holding a, a big lapis round thing right now right? right lapis that's common in uh chile well there's only two mines in the world that have it um afghanistan and chile oh. and um yeah so it's like in the renaissance and stuff this was such a valuable possession like this was like more, way more expensive than gold like this was um, there was porphyry which was a redstone that mm -hmm. was the most expensive in like the ancient roman times and all the way up into um the renaissance but then the second most expensive stone in the world was lapis. And because it was only at that point, they didn't know anything about Chile. It was all, there was only the Afghanistan mines and they used it. That's why like only like, like Royal figures, like the Christ figure or something that was like commissioned from bigger places could have like that Royal blue robe and stuff like that. It was because they had to like crush the stuff and to make it into paint. And uh, it was the only real kind of true dark, uh, whatever kind of blue this is. And um, like with just the lapis lazul blue was the, was, was reserved for royalty stuff. So you had to have special permission to use it in, in paintings. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And then now it's just like, I mean, I mean, they're, they're depleting their minds. They're like, there's so, so many, that's the thing about a lot of these rocks and stuff is it's like, they're cool and I think they're cool to collect and stuff, but they'll eventually be in, in like, you know, so many, so many different types of minerals only have like one source because of the unique condition that, like, you know, like this one I'm kind of obsessed with right now. I'm kind of obsessed with shungite and I'm kind of obsessed with moldavite. And moldavite was, it was like the, it hit in um, Czechoslovakia back whenever 
like millions of years ago or whatever, and it was a comet that hit a hill. And basically it, it's the, Moldavite is not the actual comet, but it is the, like, the, it's like the glass that was formed on that sand hill that it hit and, and pushed it out, okay? So it makes it to where it's like a bubbly green looking stuff, but it's, it's, it only, it's, this condition only happened in one place in the world. So you can only find this kind of thing in one place in the world. And like now the mine or the hill that it hit is almost completely dug up. And the same sort of thing that is happening with uh, shungite is like this black carbonite um, pure stone that you can only find in like this one little range in Russia. All this stuff is like that. There are only very short places that they have them and then they're nowhere else. So when, once they're all gone, it's like, whatever. Um, but maybe like new rocks are being created in the world or? I don't know. It's more like the earth's rocks are like the earth's skin. She only has so much of it. Yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. Hmm. So that's why I kind of also have like a, a little bit of like a, like I'd rather, um, find something that the earth is giving you like a piece of rock that was come to the surface than mine because I don't know. I kind of feel like that's cutting versus just like picking a pimple that's on the surface. <laughs> that's bad, you know, bad analogy, but you know, that's kind of thinking. It's not as invasive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. We can't mine her forever on everywhere, every, all the time. It's just not, not, it's not feasible. Right. Well, I mean, there's lots of, non-feasible things we do. Yeah, I was gonna say lots of problems with the extractions, but yeah. Definitely true.